0: Today on the Mountain Climbers Podcast. An incredible story. Anna Wilcox was ranked sixth in the world and represented New Zealand at the Olympics after just three years of skiing. You know, looking back, I I think maybe it was not the best decision. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? What do you think is the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? But when it seemed that Anna had reached the mountaintop in almost no time at all, the
1: unthinkable happened. Unfortunately, I had a big accident in France. It was the hardest decision ever to this day but I chose to walk away after that.
0: I'm Duncan Tolmy and the life story and greatest life lessons of Anna Wilcox is coming up next. to go to everybody and welcome to the Mountain Climbers podcast. It's great to be in your company and Anna Wilcox, great to be in your company as well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. This podcast is all about your greatest life lesson. So I thought we'd start off with that. What is your greatest life lesson, Anna?
1: <laughs> Such a big question. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um probably what is it? What what are my priorities? I think that's mm. really important. I think especially when it comes to, you know, your mental health. I think prior, figuring out what fuels you and what makes you is really important so um i mean literally sometimes i've had to stop and write down a list of what my priorities are and often the ones that you're actually putting energy into are the ones that aren't high on your list and that's what i've often found um the things that are most important to me would be my my relationships and then my health and sometimes you sort of suddenly you're doing all these saying yes to all these things you know going out all the time and stuff Mm. and actually that's not fueling what your priority list is so yeah so I think that's 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 a really big one I think that's a
0: brilliant piece of advice actually to sit down and order what is the most important things to me and then do you then associate the time that you have to yeah. th- those priorities? Because we
1: only have a certain amount of energy, you know, and yeah. I think we we end up running out quicker than we realize in a day, and we don't. We actually haven't done one thing for ourselves or for the person that we love, or. For the job that you love, or whatever it is, or maybe it's just—it it can be anything as well. Like I found when I wrote the, like I remember writing this list because I was just in a really low point, and it was things like just going for a skateboard, like these kind of things that seem small, but they actually give me a lot of energy. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a big one.
0: Wow, that is that is awesome. Um, <laughs> let's take a look back at what's made you, Anna Wilcox. Um, so you grew up in a really sporty family, is that
1: right? Yeah. What was what effect do you think that had on your personality um, it's, a, it's a for me it was this really strange one because I never was the one in the family to be the elite athlete but I ended up being the one to go to the Olympics first out of, my brother has also gone but he went after me <laughs> that's what, I have, <laughs> that's what I have on him yeah exactly um, but I grew up in a really sporty family my dad is like a four time world champion in sailing and we grew up sailing um, like on our family yacht just up in the hierarchy golf and it was a really tight knit family and my brother he was sort of dad's protégé you know he was always amazing Mm. at sailing one of the best in New Zealand forever and I was sort of just like hanging out and I was sailing but it wasn't really like what I was extremely passionate about and I think my parents you know they really taught me I really saw through their eyes what it felt like to have a passion and to do something that was a bit out of the norm and I don't think they meant to sort of necessarily teach us that but they sort of taught me to that it's okay not to do the normal. And mm. so they never found it weird when I wanted to not go to university and wanted to go and chase – like I just went and did a ski season and they were like, "Yep, cool, you do you. And then from that stemmed my passion and then my – like then I you know, ended up going to the Olympics and skiing. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have parents who were sort of sore – life's not so straightforward you know what I mean you don't have to just they hadn't planned
0: it for you yeah it was up to you to determine your destiny and I
1: guess because they didn't they didn't either also go this like normal path of going straight to uni and doing all these things but they live live an incredible life something I read that absolutely flabbergasted me Anna
0: was that you left high school at the age of 18. Well, that wasn't it. But then picked up skiing straight away and in less than four years were off to the Olympics and ranked sixth in the world. What is so different about you that means you're able to achieve such great success? Because, you know, most people, if you start a sport at the age of 10, you're already yeah, two Yeah, totally. You have a
1: coach and that's your life. And yeah. yeah, 100%. And I think... Um, but I just I I, I I fell in love, and for the first time in my life, I discovered what true passion felt like, and it was like so it just fueled me so much. And like most sane people, you know, would have become a ski instructor or, or gone and worked in like a bar or whatever. But I was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a professional. Like I just I just aimed the highest possible level, and I had so much self belief. You know, I. I I missed that person that I was when I was twenty, you know, so much self belief and I believed I could do it and I worked my butt off. I worked so many jobs to make it happen and I trained so hard and and like I said, I think in my sport, you know, we were hitting eighty foot jumps and not many people were sane enough to do that. Or were too <laughs> sane to do that, should I say. <laughs> yeah. And I was insane enough. I had a bit of a like I guess, you know, people it it's a unique sport that not many females do and I was sort of so driven towards it and yeah, so more determination than talent probably, but yeah.
0: I got there. Do you think d- that determination was the key characteristic that set you apart?
1: Without a doubt, yeah, I yeah. think so. Because, I, you know, my peers, they'd been skiing they'd been living in ski towns for their whole lives. You know, they were the 10-year-old who'd been on skis with a coach. And I wasn't, but it didn't, that just only fueled me harder, you know, and I just, I wanted it so bad. Harder, better than, like, you know.
0: More than anyone More than else. Anyone else. So, <laughs> yeah, and as a result, you got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and skiing's an interesting sport as well because it, you know the pressure is all on you to perform well. And if, if so, you know if you don't go well in a in a competition, it's you can't blame your, you know your team. It's all on you. Yeah. So how did you process that kind of pressure?
1: I think naivety was a really big thing. You know, I went into the sport and I reach the top pretty quickly which mm-hmm. I hadn't sort of learnt those hard yard lessons in between which was kind of a good thing because um ignorance to me is blessed a lot of the time and I didn't know the sort of the consequences of what could happen physically with my sport until I got injured later down the track but um yeah no I think it's for me it was a positive that um I could really channel that pressure and and perform and I think it some people can do it and some people can't and that's okay we're all built differently but for me I actually fuel off that pressure I like it
0: okay so when you say you're a bit naive do you think you didn't understand the pressure at the
1: time yeah probably okay (laughs) and also because I had nothing to lose Mm -hmm. I didn't have the pressure I didn't have a coach when I was 10 years old and you know I didn't have my, my no one no one sort of was in other than me so I was sort of that always underdog which I I guess worked for me and I didn't I didn't really need, necessarily need to have that pressure because I'd only been doing it like two years by the time I went to the Olympics. <laughs> so my dad was just like, because he's an Olympic coach himself, he's coached since every Olympics since 92, so super experienced. And he was just like, Anna, like, the fact that you even made it, man, just <laughs> go out and enjoy it and yeah. don't, don't take that for granted because the next time you go to the Olympics, it will be a completely different story. You'll have that pressure because you're not an underdog anymore. You've been going for it for so long. In 2016,
0: Anna suffered from a brain injury that temporarily halted her skiing career. Then, on the road to recovery in 2017, Anna broke her back after trying to land a ski jump. The injury not only had a terrible impact on her physical body, but also her mental state of mind, as the decision was made that Anna Wilcox will retire from skiing.
1: I had had a few injuries leading up to sort of um, that, back, broken back, including like um, a big head injury, which was one of those injuries which made me wonder whether I should walk away. There was a lot of advice getting thrown here and there at the time, but I was so determined to, to go to the next Olympics. And I just, you're so stuck in this sort of realm that it's really hard to see see clearly. And, at the, you know, looking back, I, I think maybe it was maybe not the best decision, but, you know, I it for whatever reason I got back on skis and unfortunately I had a big accident in France at the first Olympic qualifier for the 2018 Olympics and I, and I did broke my back, but it was like you know just to reiterate, it wasn't like a really bad break, but it was enough to get me out of the sort of the, the next six months of qualification period, which was super important. And it was obviously still a huge trauma to my to myself again. And my parents, like everyone, all my friends were just so sick of seeing me so hurt. And even in the in high performance sport, were the same. They were just like, we can't, you know, we can't really ask much more of you. You have given so much to the sport. <laughs> And um, it was the hardest decision ever to this day, but I had to. I, I chose to walk away after that. Um, I mean, it was such a a loss for me anyway, with who I was and I'd, something I'd been doing for so long, and I had to mm. figure out and build myself up, back up again without the sport.
0: Yeah, because you're almost completely starting over.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're kind of feeling like you're an 18 year old getting spat out of school but instead you're 25 and everyone, all your peers have these sort of like careers, you know, what feels like careers. And, you know, they seem like they've got their together, but you're like, oh God, what am I going to do? So it was scary, really scary. And um, I had, I took a year off and I traveled for myself and just did a whole bunch of different crazy things and, you know, backpacked through Eastern Europe and went to Tanzania and worked in an orphanage and like just these, these kind of things that I just was, along the way trying to figure out what I wanted and in the end I still didn't figure it out you know it's not (laughs) like some magic pill that you're just like okay here we go life Um, but I was grateful enough to actually fall into the career that I'm in now which is broadcasting which I'm absolutely loving
0: Mm. and we'll talk about that in a moment Mm.
1: Um, but that
0: experience of uh, you know bringing you back and losing the sport of skiing
1: Mm. what did that teach you about life? I mean this is where I had to sort of go back to a to a sort of mantra that I use with my whole life, and it's that, like, you know, your, your life is made up of, you know, so many different chapters. It's like a book, and that was a chapter that I had to, that was finishing, and it's so hard when you're in that chapter because you don't want it to end. Like, I loved it, and, but I, I it was time for... I knew it was going to end at some point and so when it did, it was definitely scary but I also was ready and knew that there would be another fresh chapter and I think that sort of mm. excites me, you know. I think you've, you never know what's to come and there will you never know what's around the corner but in a really positive way, you know. Yeah. And I think um, for me, I was excited to take on a new chapter and a lot of people wonder why, like a lot of people who fall out of a sport like that, they stick around, you know. they work They work within the industry, they coach, they whatever but for me I kind of wanted a clean start so I I haven't I've been on back on skis only a handful of times since since my injury so and I will probably you know ski more and more but for me it was too raw to sort of just be part of that world again I wanted mm. to just completely exit yeah. And be a whole new person,
0: and I love that. That the that life is full of a bunch of chapters. But the other thing is that you touched on as well. There's always another chapter, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, that you can turn to and start, yeah, and that's very cool. Through that experience, did you discover the root of happiness?
1: Um, I mean, I don't think there is sort of this chasing happiness is a sort of a waste of time. I think. For me, it's um, making sure that you're looking after yourself and your soul, and fueling what's good f- for your inner self. You can't always be happy; otherwise, you wouldn't know what happiness was. If you're always happy, you know, you've got to be yeah. riding the waves of ups and downs, and and embracing them too. You know, it's okay to feel like you've had a crappy week or whatever, because then next time you're having a really good week, you're really going to appreciate it. So, I think it's important not to sort of chase that so-called happiness, but instead just looking after yourself, and and that isn't just physically but that is really important physically but also mentally just you know feeding yourself with the right um, the right words and the right and the right stuff and being outside and getting sun and like all these things that are quite simple but often we don't make time for
0: and often make a massive impact
1: oh huge like sitting 20 minutes out in the sun is way better for you than I don't know listening to some I don't yeah like I think it's little things like that you can do for yourself and that's important and that's that's Fulfilling yourself and finding something that fulfills you, I think, is, is important.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it when you wake up in the morning, what's often the first thought that comes into your mind?
1: <laughs> For me, it's probably what am, what day is it and what am I doing today? <laughs> I'm one of those really like deep sleepers. I sleep a lot actually. And when I was training in skiing, I was I was one of those people who slept like 11 hours a night. And I still was, I still probably sleep like eight nine definitely nine hours a night. Eight minimum, which a lot of people I know, you know, sleep, they live off like seven hours or something, or six. But not me, anyway. So when I wake up, I'm often like, holy, like, what, you know, where am I kind of vibe. But, um, and then, and then normally I'm just excited to, I don't, I try to avoid looking at my phone for like the first hour of the day. For me, that's just, we, we spend the rest of the day pretty much looking at our phone or screens. So it's just, you know, one section of the day that you can have for yourself. And I always like to exercise in the morning. So I always get up and go to the gym. So I'm always like, what day is it? What class am I going to?
0: <laughs> yeah, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Oh, man, that's tough. Again, these huge questions. <laughs> um, I think it's 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 kind of it's kind of silly, but me and my best friends sort of had this mantra, and I think it's, it came from we were a big part of that year that we that I quit skiing and I had off, and we did a lot of traveling together, and um, we experimented a lot with lots of different things, and I think and and went to these crazy places, and our mantra was trust the journey, and I think like trusting trusting the journey is so important because you can get so caught up on on how you get into a place but you probably will end up there it's just trusting the pathway that you are on now mm. um and that's i think that that's something that i still need to sort of tap into and re- realize that you need to sort of trust the process that is and sometimes the things things happen and you're like oh my gosh i've missed that opportunity but i think it was i think in the long run things are meant to be how they, how they are you mm. just look back and like you look back and you're like oh yeah okay that's how it was supposed to happen
0: it all turned out well yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> what have you changed your mind on, Anna? Changed my mind
1: on? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> 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 um, what have I changed my mind on? Can I take a second? Yes, <laughs> sure. <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe it's not something I changed my mind on if, as such, but it's something that has I've compl- got a new... I never understood sort of mental health um, until quite recently, like proper sort of depression and anxiety. And you hear about it a lot, but I was really grateful enough not to sort of have experienced any of it in the past, and it doesn't run in my family, so I'd sort of never really been surrounded by it. And, um, you know, there was a few people that I know knew who were suffering from it, but I didn't know how to sort of help them or, or how to relate to them because I'd never sort of experienced it. And it was something that I was always really gutted that I couldn't really be more, like I didn't really have a full understanding of it but until like last year i actually um got diagnosed with depression and anxiety myself and it sort of for me came felt like it came out of nowhere and um and it was one of those revelations sort of for me where i realized or understood what you know what my peers had been going through or what what people are going through a lot more and i was able to sort of talk about it a lot more and help them so i think just that understanding ha- came quite late it, well you know late for me in my life and it's something that i'm almost grateful for because I can help a lot more. I feel like I can help people a bit more mm-hmm. and
0: I think that's because you were on The Crowd Goes Wild at that point right? So, yes yeah, and still, and still are yeah. um, and I think it's really fascinating that someone really up there in the in the broadcasting world and a really high profile person who the world looks to and goes wow they're really successful can still suffer from something like that
1: yeah I mean again it's just it's so not circumstantial you know I think it can it sort of can come and hit people at any point and mm-hmm. it creeps up on you and then it and for me it was definitely a you know it's something that affects your day-to-day obviously but you you know you you barely have energy to do anything other than just your job and even that's hard you know you, suddenly you're doubting everything you do and I was going to these interviews and interviewing like you know high-profile athletes and questioning myself you know internally and struggling to sort of be confident in what I was doing so um, I mean it was it's definitely hard and it comes and goes like it's not just going to disappear but yeah I th- yeah, it's, it is one of those things and often it does hit the people that you least expect yeah
0: so what got you through that experience how did you overcome that
1: I mean for me it was reach I thought first almost admitting and accepting that you you know you've, you're a bit different because for me I'd sort of known this I'd gotten to know this person for 25 years you know I was like yep this is me I, I know who I am I've put a lot of effort into the person I am and then suddenly it feels like you don't recognise that person in the mirror anymore this person who was sweating the small stuff and like yeah that dropping in like that low in confidence and unable to sort of be that bubbly person and give that my energy to people suddenly I wasn't able to do that anymore. So accepting that, and then and then reaching out to people that you know my loved ones and letting them know sort of what was going on, so they can sort of support you in the way that you need to be supported because that's important is letting letting those people in your circle know. And then I for me I I was lucky enough to see a therapist and I started seeing someone that I really liked and um and that was really helpful just just reflecting and and understanding it and then her giving me a new sort of. Tactics on on working through it and doing and prioritizing, you know, what 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 um, fuels you. What, what is important? Yeah, yeah. That was key in those moments. Mm. And I think I have a huge
0: amount of respect for you, Anna, in speaking out about this because, especially when you're, you know, in the public eye, it yeah. is something that is so tough and it's a really vulnerable vulnerable yeah. thing to do but i think it really will have a, a huge impact on people because you know they can look to you and go wow she had that happen to her and she got through that maybe i can too
1: yeah, they definitely can and and i think they right, and center all of us know whether we're suffering ourselves or know someone we're suffering it's everywhere so we just we need to take the stigma away from it it's completely okay to, to, to have anxiety or depression or or any sort of mental health issues. Like I think we just the more that we can talk about it, the more the less alone people will feel and I think that's key. Mm,
0: absolutely. What do you think is the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn?
1: Oh, I think I'm still learning it. Probably patience. Patience. Yeah. Patience okay. is for me is like a I guess um someone who's always wanted if I had an idea, I would just want to implement it straight away. If I I didn't, um... I didn't think too much about things and I would sort of just go for it, which got me really far in life because I was kind of just like one of those people who would wing it and not not like second guess myself or question it. So even that idea of going to the Olympics, like I didn't even question it, just, you know, whereas mm. looking back, you'd, whereas <laughs> for now if I had it, I'd be like, wait a second, Anna, you that, know. That
0: might be a bit too inspirational.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think I still carry that sort of habitual thing in my life where if I want something, I just want it now. And I think like I've only sort of recently and still learning, and I think I think I'll continue to learn that some things actually don't just happen overnight like they they take time and that's something that I'm learning obviously in my career now because I have all these big ideas of what I want to do and it's actually like especially since I didn't come from journalism school I came from a different avenue into my career I've got a lot of stuff to learn and I'm still continuing to learn every day so I can't just you know be presenting the sports <laughs> news like that yeah <laughs> it's gonna take time <laughs> the guest is anna
0: wilcox if you want to see more of her check her out on the crowd goes wild or visit her on
1: facebook you're doing quite well you've got like over a hundred thousand yeah likes, I do. Eh? they came out of nowhere it was a, oh. it's a weird one um no idea where they sort of all came from but otherwise check out my instagram because that's sort of where i'm mostly okay. active okay all right just search for at anna wilcox yeah um anna underscore wilcox and there's. Uh. Two ns for Anna and two Ls for Wilcox. Awesome, and
0: I've got one final question before you leave, Anna. Have you reached the mountaintop?
1: No, mate. We're always we're always <laughs> well, driving for the mountaintop. Still,
0: still a mountain climber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anna. We'll see you later.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me.
0: Next week on the Mountain Climbers Podcast. If you wake up in the morning, it's a beautiful day. Never forget that. A unique insight into someone who has climbed the mountain. (laughs) Why is it important for you to give back? Oh, I don't know really. It's just the way I am. Sir Peter Leach, better known as the Mad Butcher, opens up about his greatest life lessons. And I run my own race. You know, when I win self-service... All the other butchers laughed at me. He said, oh, he's an idiot. I went on to become the biggest private butchery chain in New Zealand. Find out how he created the empire of the mad butcher then later. Oh, no, 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 no. That would never happen. That would never happen. I'm Duncan Tolmey and the Mountain Climbers podcast continues next week. Duncan told me, and you've been listening to the Mountain Climbers podcast. To stay connected, like the Mountain Climbers podcast on Facebook today.